play and stay on Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. Stand up paddleboarding, hiking, great restaurants and breweries. I'll tell you more about your next vacation destination later in the show. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal, the show where celebrities share stories about the foods they love most, and we dig into the history, culture, and science of those meals with experts from around the world. Today on the program, Peppermint. I'm Peppermint, honey. (laughs) Peppermint is an actor, comedian, singer, and activist. She was the first out trans contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race and almost won season nine, taking second place. She was the first trans woman to originate a principal role on Broadway. Her first comedy special, Society Effects, came out this spring. And she stars in the new Netflix series, Survival of the Thickest, which Rolling Stone magazine called one of the most anticipated shows of the summer. And Peppermint loves Peppermint, as do I. So we're going to learn a little bit about the history of this ancient herb and how mint finds its way into your toothpaste and chewing gum. All that coming up later in the show, but first, my conversation with Peppermint. In your honor, I have my mug of Peppermint because that's my favorite tea too, lifelong fave. Oh my gosh, it's true. Thank you. That's gorgeous. My favorite tea is Peppermint. Surprise, surprise. Um, (laughs) Where did the name Peppermint come from? What's the origin story? Peppermint happens to be my favorite flavor, candy, tea, all of those things. But the drag name Peppermint, let's just say it was quite apparent to everyone around me uh, that I was and would be doing drag in my life. Even the very earliest iterations, those pictures have been destroyed. There's no more photo evidence. (laughs) But the path was clear. Let's just say that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so one day I was like sitting in the car with this boy that I had a crush on in a the parking lot of a 7-Eleven. Romance. As one does in <laughs> Wilmington, Delaware. And I was like eating all these peppermints because I was thinking we were going to kiss. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God, you sure eat a lot of peppermints. You should just call yourself peppermint. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that was how I got my name. Think about if you were drinking a Slurpee and like your name could be Slurpee right now. (laughs) I would have done anything he said. And he was like, do this. I was like, okay. And there it stuck. (laughs) Was it worth it? Did you get a kiss? Did you date? Did it work out at that time? Girl, I did not get a kiss. We didn't (gasps) date. I don't even know where he is anymore. I did have a crush on him. I, I will say that of the two of us, I would just venture to say that I believe I probably aged the best. <laughs> but what a waste of fresh breath, though, you know? I mean, someone else should have enjoyed I that know. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting because it's not just a performance name. You legally changed your name to Peppermint. I'm Peppermint, honey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thanks to you, when I was Googling you to research, I now have a lot of amazing recipes for, you know, like peppermint brownies and peppermint hot chocolate. The name is great for everything <laughs> except for Google. Honey, like I was I, I made it up before I before there was Google. Yeah. So then by the time it came around the internet, um, you know, I didn't know that like you search for my name in it, like you get like Wrigley's gum or these uh-huh. recipes of everything. <laughs> uh and and so I used to have a, a last name, which probably would have suited me better, but 
I dropped my last name just before the age of Google, which mm. I now know might have been a mistake, but it was just too juvenile. Like Peppermint's already kind of cutesy, but with a last name, it was Peppermint Gummy Bear. And that was just <laughs> too like too Candy kitty. Land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was your start and drag? How old were you? How did you get into it? How did it exist in your community? Well, I mean, actual drag, what we call actual drag, didn't start until I was in high school. I I did a little competition and won. It wasn't a drag competition. It was a cross-dressing competition. Basically, the football players and the cheerleaders would cross-dress for the Mm -hmm. homecoming game. And I was a cheerleader. I was striding and people were like, oh my God, and I won, of course. I can't even say that was the thing that invigorated me because the real time that I would personally say that I became infatuated with drag were all of the pop culture things like She-Ra, the Princess of Power, who was uh, He-Man's sister. But it was Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There was a character named Violet Beauregard who was really rude and chewed a lot of gum and ended up turning into a blueberry. Uh, And so I would reenact that scene over and over again. I would get my mom's blue denim jumper and she had this red (laughs) belt. And it was like one of those really thin belts that moms wore in the 80s, like like not even an inch. Um, And um, I made a a wig out of yarn Mm -hmm. and I would stuff myself with pillows to become a blueberry and roll around on the floor. And I was just living my best little drag (laughs) fantasy life. (laughs) I am so curious about this. One of your favorite treats is called peanut butter Play-Doh. What is that? I'm so happy you asked. Okay, so (laughs) first of all, we've all had peanut butter Play-Doh, but most of us don't realize we've had it. And I'll explain. Peanut butter Play-Doh, I'd never heard of it until I went to some kind of camp when I was a kid. And they had activities and the, the gal was like, hey, we're going to make peanut butter Play-Doh. And I'm like, what? I remember the recipe. It's like a very simple recipe. You take peanut butter and you take, uh, you know, powdered milk, dried milk, and mm-hmm. then you take honey and you mix those three things up together until you have basically like a dough. And then you put a grape on it and wrap it up <laughs> and put it in the fridge, let it harden a little bit. I was like, okay, what's the, up with this grape? I was like, okay. But I did, it was delicious and I have never looked back. And so I make it every year. But it wasn't until Easter... And I was having a Reese's chocolate <laughs> egg. That chocolate egg actually basically have peanut butter Play-Doh inside. So it's peanut butter, but it's like a thicker version, a more hearty version of peanut butter. Mm-hmm. It's not like you'd get out of the jar. It is delicious, honey. And it's so simple to make. And you can top your Reese's <laughs> peanut butter egg with a grape to really with doll a it grape. up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay. what is this weird grape? Blob of peanut butter with a green grape uh-huh. in the middle. And it's like, why is that? But peanut butter and grapes actually do go well together. Well, know? maybe it's supposed to be like peanut butter and jelly, grape jelly. Oh, maybe. And you know what? And it was weird because they had a green grape. So if they had a red grape, then that it would have made more, more sense. sense, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have opinions on the Reese's holiday shapes because I think, first of all, the holiday shapes are so much better than the regular Reese's with the fluted edge. And I think that they the- so much are. So much better. Something about the roundness and the smoothness. And I think that it has a better peanut butter to chocolate ratio as well. And I think that the egg is the best of the holiday shapes. Like I'll eat the pumpkin. I'll eat the thing that's supposed to be a the treat. Tree's but it's all really right. like a I don't fossil. like the tree so much. Yeah. It's like yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's like an arrowhead fossil. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so glad we're on the same page. And as a Jewish girl, I never cared about having Christmas, but Easter really bummed me out because on Monday, all the kids would come to school and their lunch would be full of candy. And my lunch was full of tears. No candy. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> so now I buy them for myself. <laughs> Well, good, honey. You better enjoy it because they're delicious. And I'm sure Reese's is very happy to hear that. (laughs) Mint is one of my very favorite flavors and scents. Every day I wash my body with mint soap. I love all of the fresh mint that goes into Vietnamese food. I make homemade mint brownie ice cream. I love iced mint tea in the summer. And mint is mentioned everywhere from the Bible to Greek mythology. We'll learn more about this ancient herb when we come back. If you're a fan of naturally gorgeous, off-the-beaten-path vacation spots with small-town charm, you're going to want to plan a visit to Washington State's Kitsap Peninsula, where you can grab a scoop of homemade ice cream and stroll around the adorable European seaside village of Paulsbow, or walk on the ferry in Seattle and get off in downtown Bainbridge Island. And May is the perfect month to visit Bremerton or Silverdale, where you can get out of the city and into the forest in just 15 minutes for a beautiful hike. Enjoy a farm-to-table meal at Bremerton's Restaurant Lola, a Black-owned business. I really need to make the trip out there for their Creole brunch. And in the morning, stop by Saboteur Bakery for croissants that are so flaky and buttery, you'll think you're in Paris. There's also a gorgeous golf course in the middle of the forest, and there are several naval museums in Bremerton. Go to visitkitsap.com slash yourlastmeal to learn more. That's K-I-T-S-A-P, or you can find a link in the show notes. Play and stay on the Kitsap Peninsula, the natural side of the Puget Sound. If Peppermint loves Peppermint so much she legally changed her name to Peppermint, the least we can do is dedicate this episode to Peppermint. I was surprised to learn that my state, Washington State, grows more mint than any other state in the country. When I think about mint, I think about mint leaves dried for tea or fresh mint leaves that you can buy at the grocery store or the farmer's market. But most Washington mint farmers are in the mint oil business. They distill the oil from the leaves and sell it to distributors who then sell it to big toothpaste and gum companies. I called up Craig Gilbert in Royal City, Washington, third generation mint farmer at Jack Gilbert and Sons. He's also a member of the Washington Mint Commission. It makes me feel very happy knowing that these big companies are actually using real mint. I mean, to tell you the truth, you know, when you buy a tube of toothpaste and you look at the ingredients and there's all these words you can't pronounce, I never thought that it was real mint in there. I assumed it was just some flavoring made in a lab somewhere. Yeah, that's that's a good thing about mint is it's one of the oils that they really haven't synthesized yet. I guess in my opinion, there's no substitute for it. All our buyers and whatnot talk about North American mint oil and in here and specifically in the Pacific Northwest, how it definitely is a higher quality oil. There's up to about 30 varieties of mint, but the spearmint and the peppermint that we grow here in in Washington and the Pacific Northwest, it definitely, it is of a higher quality. Mint oil is super concentrated. One drop of mint oil can flavor, you know, three tubes of toothpaste, 40 sticks of gum, 125 mint candies. And when they're in these 55 gallon 
barrels. That alone can flavor about 5 million sticks of gum, 400,000 tubes of toothpaste, or like 20 million confectionaries of some sort. A little bit goes a long ways. Mint originated in the Mediterranean and was used by ancient Egyptians, Greeks, and Romans to make mouths and armpits smell better, treat headaches and stomach aches, to make bodies smell better during funeral preparations, and some believed it could be used as birth control. Even the Bible mentions mint as a currency, but the name mint comes from Greek mythology. As the story goes, there was a nymph named Minth, or Menth, who was Pluto's girlfriend. Pluto was the god of the underworld. Finally, Pluto's wife Persephone got tired of this affair. She got so jealous of her husband's lover, she turned Minth, or Menth, into a ground-dwelling plant so people would walk all over her. Pluto could not reverse the fate of his lover, but he was able to sweeten the deal a little bit. He cast his own little spell, so when people stepped on this plant that used to be his girlfriend and crushed her leaves under their feet, she would give off the sweet smell that we now know as mint. And in more modern times... You know, back in the early 1900s and whatnot, Wrigley's was able to really put mint on the map. William Wrigley Jr. started selling Wrigley spearmint chewing gum in 1893. And in 1915, he launched a huge one-man marketing campaign. He mailed four free sticks of Wrigley spearmint gum to every single person in America who was listed in the phone book. 1.5 million households. In 1915, not everyone had a phone in their house. So he figured the folks who could afford a phone could definitely afford a luxury like chewing gum. I love the smell of mint. So I wish I had the time to drive five hours across the state to interview Craig in person. A lot of times when I've been out in the fields or in our mint still, and I go somewhere else, everybody says, oh man, you smell like mint. And I, I can't really smell it. Like, I guess I get, I get used to it, but it definitely gives off quite the aroma. And I love it. You can smell it from miles away, just the aroma that comes from that uh, mint still. You're probably one of the best smelling farmers in America because farmers don't have a <laughs> reputation for smelling good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't forget to smell your local mint farmer today. All right, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, pepper... If you like listening to Your Last Meal, you might like watching my new TV show, The Nosh with Rachel Bell. We just wrapped up season one, so there are four tasty episodes ready for you to binge at CascadePBS.org. In episode one, I convince an East Coast skeptic that Seattle now has fantastic bagels. And in the season finale, we go truffle hunting just about an hour outside of Seattle. Episodes are a quick bite just eight and a half minutes long. So grab a snack and cozy up with The Nosh. Available anytime, anywhere at CascadePBS.org or find a link in the show notes. Mint shares her last meal. What would your last meal be? You know, I had a really good experience. I, I went with uh, some really close girlfriends of mine who a bunch of us worked at a drag restaurant called Lips, which is all around the country. Worked at the location in New York. And so just because it's stressful being a waiter in New York City, a drag waiter at that, we would take uh, vacations occasionally. And so we ended up going to Mexico 
to Tulum, which at the time, this was like the early aughts. I think Tulum's really popular right now. A lot of mm -hmm. people have heard of it. Cancun part two. Yeah. But what we loved about Tulum at the time, which we were trying to decide between Cancun or there, we were like, oh, I don't want to go to no Cancun. Cancun is like spring break. It's like yep. people vomiting all over the place. I don't want any of that. And so we decided to go to Tulum, which like at the time, like we were, there's like one dirt road, one light, one grocery store. And like there was a couple of resorts down the way. And like it was so chill there like we were our first night we were walking along the beach and it was like the moon was so bright you could you could read by the moonlight and it was like wow this is like so beautiful so we had a a house that we rented sort of airbnb style and it came with a staff and it was really just like a house guy that would like come in and check on us on the daily we were there for a week or so and on our one of our last meals there the house guy every morning he would climb up into the palm tree that was there in the yard in the beach yard and cut down um coconuts for us and we would drink them mm -hmm. and so he did that every day but on the last day he was like really a provider and he came through and he's like look i went fishing earlier and i have these rock lobsters i'd never had a rock lobster they're smaller and really delicious and we were like let's make a meal of this and so we got the rock lobsters i think some fish from him we went to the grocery the one grocery store and got like some other seafood some shrimp and what well, the shrimp wasn't so good we got some shrimp and some other things we had a fire pit in the yard the yard was like uh, the beach it was like a beachfront house and so it had a fire pit on the beach we cooked the food in the fire pit and then that evening we had, it was me and my, just my handful of girlfriends. And it was the sweetest and most delicious sort of rustic meal I'd ever had. And so for my last meal, I would love to have rock lobster and, uh, you know, shrimp and uh, some fish and vegetables that we cook on the fire pit. But I would love to recreate that meal because it was the most memorable meal I've ever had. That is really special. These, my favorite are the meals that come with the stories. And I love thinking about this guy crawling up the palm tree every morning and, and whacking you guys down some coconuts. Cause I mean, growing up, you would see in movies, you know, someone drinking out of a coconut. So I remember the first time I got to do it, it just felt like being in a tropical movie. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. If you bought all of that and made it at home, it would not be the same. It's a time and a place it and with your people. Yeah. yeah. For her last meal, Peppermint wants to recreate a special meal she had with her friends in Tulum. Rock lobster, shrimp, fish, and vegetables cooked over a fire on the beach. I have a little speed round for you here. To start, number one, what is your perfect birthday cake? Oh my gosh, birthday cake. A mint chocolate birthday cake, which I have never had. So oh. anybody listening, <laughs> let's work it out. Okay, next year you got a whole year. <laughs> It's not hard to Google. Just Google peppermint and then the cakes will show up, even It'll though you're trying to Google right your friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're at a diner, what is your go-to diner order? Oh my gosh. Okay. I have to tell you, if I'm not having breakfast, which I eat breakfast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner mm -hmm. all the time. If I'm not having breakfast food, which is basically scrambled eggs and bacon and like a croissant or a English muffin, I'll have a bacon cheddar turkey burger on a toasted bun, deluxe. Deluxe, well, like that's diner talk for like lettuce, tomato, and french fries. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've traveled around the country performing. What is your favorite food city? Wow. Favorite food city. And it's, listen, darling, 
It's not because of the heritage of food, the traditional recipes that come out of this place, but my favorite food city, believe it or not, is London. And mm. it's not because I want like bangers and mash or like shepherd's pie. It's because that was the first place I'd ever had a apparently Brazilian inspired restaurant that is now a chain and it's coming slowly creeping over to, New to the US called Nando's. And honey, 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 let me tell you something. It is delicious. It is, <laughs> it's basically like a spicier version of Boston Market. Um, it's like rotisserie chicken and it's got like all the sides, but everything is like spicier and it's so delicious, so well seasoned. And they have all these different sauces that you can put on the lemon pepper, or the, the citrus thing or the whatever, the honey, whatever, the hot, super hot, flaming hot, like all, they got all the things. And it's just so delicious. And it's like Brazilian inspired. So peri peri is the seasoning that they, they use. I think yeah. that's a Brazilian thing. And it's just delicious. I have a membership card. And that was Peppermint's Last Meal. Check her out on the new Netflix show, Survival of the Thickest. And Peppermint is also the ACLU's artist ambassador for transgender justice. Drag is like in the mainstream for sure. But when you become more visible, as we know throughout history, you also can become a target. And so right now, currently what we're looking at, obviously, is a lot of these anti-drag rules and laws and policies that are sweeping across our nation that target drag, drag brunches, drag queen story hours that are meant to be, you know, pure entertainment and inclusive and show that drag entertainers are just like every other type of entertainer. But they're being used to target really insidiously target trans individuals. And this year alone, uh, it's what, mid-February at the time we're taping this, there's over 300 bills that are across all the states. Mm -hmm. And they're not just in the Southern states, it's also in a lot of places that you would consider progressive, like in California and New yeah. York. Thanks to Craig Gilbert, third generation mint farmer. My wife loves mint flavored stuff. She loves ice cream and drinks and cookies and all these other things. And I even had a a lemon cucumber drink once, which I never in my life thought I'd be drinking something like that, but it was it was refreshing. The farmer is drinking spa water. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's basically. I, Do you think your wife married you for the mint? Are you a little suspicious? Sounds like she really wanted to get to that mint. <laughs> yeah, she loves her mint flavored ice cream and chocolate ice cream with a little mint in it. So yeah. she, yeah, I, I guess you could say that. Are you subscribed to this podcast? If not, you should subscribe now. That'll make sure you get episodes in your inbox as soon as they come out. Make sure you're following along on social media. I'm Hello Rachel Bell, B-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. I just posted a couple days ago about the best backpacking meal I've ever made, backpacking nachos. And speaking of food, I guess, I guess we're always speaking of food, really, really exciting news for me. I am writing a cookbook. I was approached by Sasquatch Books, which is one of my favorite publishers. They're based right here in Seattle. And the book is focusing on tahini, sesame seeds, halva, sesame oil. Basically, anything sesame is going to be in this book. I am writing it now. It's not going to be out until fall of 2024, but stay tuned. You can also sign up for my newsletter, which I hardly ever send out. So if you're worried about getting too many emails, they're not going to be coming from me. You can find a link in the bio or go to rachelbell.substack.com. That is where I will alert you to events that you can get tickets for and giveaways. 
Your Last Meal was created by me. This episode was produced and hosted by me. Me, me, me. But our theme music is by Prom Queen. I'm Rachel Bell, and this is Your Last Meal. And microwave popcorn was and always has and always will be my best friend. Peppermint and popcorn sitting in a tree. P-O-P-P-I-N-G. Yeah. Oh, my God. <sighs> All right, here we go.